Today we're continuing this message series, which I've called Biblical Parenting. We're looking at God's Word to discover principles that will help us raise children that are committed followers of Jesus Christ. And of course, these principles apply to all of life. Uh, And so these principles apply to those who don't have children at home uh, as well. Today we're going to talk about showing God's love. Love is an essential part, essential ingredient in biblical parenting. And our ability to show God's love begins with experiencing God's love in our own lives. 1 John 3, 1, I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. You can follow along. It has the outline there, uh, as well as fill in the blanks. You can take some notes. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And so this verse talks about our Heavenly Father. He has a great love for us. He has a great love for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and therefore are His children. He loves His children with a special kind of love. Now in the English language, we only have one word for love. But in the Greek language of the the New Testament, there are multiple Greek words for love. The word for love that's used in this verse we just uh, read and the rest of the verses we'll be talking about this morning is the word agape in the Greek. Now the Greek word agape is used to describe God's love in the whole of the New Testament. It's used in 1 John 4.8. It says anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love, because God is agape. And so the only way that we as human beings can show that God kind of love, that agape love, is through receiving it from God himself. We can't work it up ourselves. So how does agape love differ from the other kinds of love? Well, the other major Greek word in the New Testament for love is phileo. Now, you've all heard about the city of Philadelphia. What what does Philadelphia mean? The city of brotherly love. And so that comes from the word Philadelphia actually comes from the Greek word phileo, the city of uh, phileo, which means kind of a family kind of a brotherly kind of love. Now phileo love differs from agape love and that phileo love is a, a conditional type of love. Phileo love means that if, if you love me, then I'll love you back. Uh, if you don't love me, then I'm not going to love you back. It's, it ha- places conditions on love. Agape love, on the other hand, God's love is an unconditional kind of love. God says, it says in the Bible that God loved us while we were still his enemies. We didn't love him at all, and he loved us and sent his son to die for us. And so as God, our Father, loves his children with an agape kind of love, so we should love our children, in fact, everybody, with the same kind of agape love. Now today we're going to look at really what's called the most famous love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But before we begin to look at it in depth, I just want to comment on the context of this chapter because it's commonly misinterpreted. The chapter before 1 Corinthians 13 is 1 Corinthians 12, and that is speaking of spiritual gifts. The very last verse in 1 Corinthians 12 says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, speaking of spiritual gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And then he goes into 
the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, some people have interpreted this verse 31, 12, 31, to mean that spiritual gifts are obsolete or they're unnecessary because God is going to show us the more excellent way, that love is a more excellent way than uh, pursuing spiritual gifts. But that's not what the verse is saying at all. Of course, we can see it right from this verse. The first part of this verse says, earnestly desire higher gifts, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. But after we go through the whole chapter, which we're going to go through part of it today in 1 Corinthians 13, we end up with the conclusion in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, which says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And so what God's word is saying, it's not choosing love or spiritual gifts or spiritual gifts or love. It's both have to work together. We are to pursue love and we are to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so everything that we do, whether it's desiring spiritual gifts, whether it's parenting our children, whatever we do, it must be done with love, with God's kind of love in order to be effective. So let's take an in-depth look at agape love, the love that God calls for us to have in 1 Corinthians 13. What is it all about? Well, love is really the best way to parent. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 again earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. God our Father is an example. He's our example of how we are to parent. God parents his children in the most excellent way, in the most perfect way. God shows great love for each and every one of his children, including each of us who are believers here today, all of the time. And yet, in his love, he also disciplines us from time to time when we do something wrong. Why? Because he loves us so much. And so God, our Heavenly Father, shows us the ultimate tough love in action. And as parents, we need to follow his example. God knows what's best for us, and he guides us lovingly in his perfect plan for our lives. And so our goal as parents is the same goal that God has for us, that we walk in his plan and our children walk in that plan as well. You see, principles without, uh, principles without love won't work. So the fill in the blank there is principles. They see it dropped off the slide. Let's see if it's still there. Oh, there it is. There we go. Principles without love won't work. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Now as we look at the things mentioned in this verse, there's, there's nothing wrong with the things mentioned. Tongues, prophetic powers, understanding, faith. In fact, these are the very things that the verse is telling us, the verse before told us to earnestly desire. The point is that without love, none of these things will accomplish anything. Love is required. And the same is true as with parenting. We can learn all kinds of principles on parenting children. We can look in the Bible, we can study, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But without love, it's not going to work. In the same way, sacrifice without love gains nothing. Verse 3, if I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. 
And so sacrificial giving of money, sacrificial giving even of our lives is of no value if it's not motivated by love. What God is telling us here is that the motive of our hearts is what gives value to our actions. And the only worthy motive for our actions is the agape love that comes from God, the unconditional love that comes from Him. And so parents often sacrifice for their children. Sacrifice time, they sacrifice money, they sacrifice effort, and yet those sacrifices could be motivated by things other than God's kind of love. Parents may desire for their children to excel so that they look good, so they can brag about how well their children are doing. Parents may desire their children to do good so they won't be burdened by them in the future, you know. They want them to get a good job so that they don't have to keep taking care of them for the next 30 years. Nobody's ever thought like that, have we? <laughs> and yet the only motive that God has for us is that we ought to love them with an unconditional kind of love. That kind of love will bring blessing both to the children and to the parents. Showing God's love to our children with no conditions attached. And so love is the best way to parent. So how can we raise our children with agape love? The only way is for parents to have experienced that agape love from their Heavenly Father. As we grow in our love for God, as we begin to recognize more of what His love for us means, then we can grow in expressing that love to our children. And so... Each and every day, we as parents must ask God to help us to show our children God's kind of love in everything we do and say. And our desire must be to guide our children in God's plan for their life. That's what love is. It does the very best thing for the other person that can possibly be done. It seeks for the very best, and that the very best for anybody's life is that they would follow God's plan. That is what true love is all about. So let's continue in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is, let's see what love is. Love is patient and kind. Agape love is patient and kind. Now if you've been a parent for more than a week, you, need, you know you need lots of patience. And why? Because children are children. And they come into your lives as infants. They need care around the clock, uh, feeding, all kinds of other things. And as they grow, they need to learn many other things as they grow up. They need to learn those things from us as parents. And so our job is to teach them how to grow as they grow physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. The things that seem obvious to us because we've learned them over many years sometimes are not so easy for the children to learn. And they take patience on our part. What's the difference between patience and kindness? Well, patience is our internal attitude that we have towards children. We're, we're patient. Well, kindness is how we express that to the children in kind actions, in kind words, as the children are learning new things. <clears throat> now, if we become impatient, what happens? We begin to demonstrate or display some unloving characteristics. So 1 Corinthians 13 both tells us what love is, and it also tells us what love is not. 
verse, uh, as we continue, love is not irritable or resentful. Verse 4 and 5, 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. So a lot of things love is not. We're just going to focus in on two things here. What happens when you lose patience with your children? You become irritable. Things begin to irritate you. The little things they do or don't do begin to annoy us. And the disobedience of children tends to, when we're irritable, tends to develop into getting angry with the children rather than seeing it as an opportunity for them learning additional things. It's like if they disobey, well, here's a new area they need to learn in rather than why won't you obey? Never happens to anybody else, right? <laughs> but being a parent is not about enforcing our ways on our children, per se. It's about teaching our children to walk in God's ways. Now, if our ways are God's ways, then it's what we need to teach them. But there are things we do that are not necessarily God's ways. It's just the way we do things. So we need to teach our children, not our ways, but to walk in God's ways. Sometimes parents may be, even begin to be resentful about all the demands that the children are placing on their lives, especially with new children. Uh, as infants, it takes a lot of time and effort. But children, we need to remember, are a blessing in every way. Even though they take a lot of time, they take a lot of effort, they take some of our resources, they are a blessing in every way. And so having children, God puts children in our lives, for those of us who are parents, to help us grow in Him, to help us depend on God. So children actually help us in our walk with God, to walk closer with God, to seek to draw more on His love for us, that we might express that love to our children. What else is love? Well, love rejoices in the truth. Verse 6 says, It, speaking of love, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Now, as you're teaching, training children, and I just remind you that all of these principles apply to teaching spiritual children as well. We're going to talk more about that in the future in this series. But when children make mistakes, as, as they're learning something, they're going to make mistakes. Every child who's learning to walk is, is going to fall down, right? So, oh, you fell down. It's like, well, that's just part of learning how to walk. They're going to get back up. They're going to try again, and eventually they're going to get it. And so when children make mistakes or they have problems learning in some area of their life, we as parents, we shouldn't make fun of them. We shouldn't laugh at them. We shouldn't rejoice in those mistakes. We should, we should rejoice in the truth. And what that means is that we, we rejoice, we celebrate when our children achieve something. There's something that is part of God's plan for their life. We ought to celebrate, rejoice in the truth. We ought to rejoice when our children make a commitment to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that the angels in heaven rejoice when people come to the Lord. We should rejoice in that. That is really one of the most major things that we as parents seek to see in our children's lives. But there are many other smaller things along the way that we rejoice in as they walk in the truth. And so as we're training children in God's ways, each new milestone in their life is a further step in God's 
plan for their life. It's a further step in our children learning to walk in God's truth. And so we rejoice as those truths begin to find a place in our children's hearts and lives. We rejoice as they continue to grow and develop. And ultimately, they'll become men and women of God. And so love that is patient and kind is not a love that never disciplines or corrects for wrongdoing. And we see that from the example of our Heavenly Father. It's clear the Bible speaks that when we do wrong, when we sin, when we disobey, God will discipline us. And when we're struggling how to parent in a particular situation or how to respond, we need to think of how God deals with us, how God parents us as children, because he's the perfect example of how to do it. Now, in this series, we're going to have a whole message on discipline in a future uh, message. But discipline should be delivered with love, showing patience and kindness. And each stage of a child's life requires a parent to grow in patience and kindness. The challenges of an infant are quite different than the challenges of a, a toddler or the challenges of a teenager. And God's love is sufficient to help us to continue to grow as parents as our children go through the different stages of growth. And as that happens, love never quits. Verse 8 says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Now, if we continue on in this chapter, we see that spiritual gifts will pass away when Jesus returns again. It clearly says uh, spiritual gifts will pass away when we see him face to face. Uh, when Jesus returns again, that's what it's talking about. And until then, they're essential for every believer, not just in the church, but in the home as, as well. And yet this verse tells us at the beginning that agape love is never going to end. We are going to experience God's love in the life to come. And we're going to show, continue to show our love for God. He's going to love us, we're going to love Him, and we're going to love one another with the same agape love in eternity. So agape love never ends. The actions that we do in this life that are motivated by agape love will be rewarded in eternity. The actions that we do that are motivated by other things are not going to be rewarded. And so the love that we show our children should never quit. So agape love, it keeps on believing, it keeps on hoping. Verse 7 says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And what word is repeated four times in this verse? All, all things. God's word is emphasizing a point here. The point is that agape love never gives up on a person. It keeps on believing. A parent should keep on believing in their children their whole lives, even after they leave home. Believe in your children. And so what does it mean to believe all things for your children? It means to believe that God has a plan for their lives. And as we keep on praying, as we keep on trusting God, as we keep on influencing them as we are able, we believe that that plan is going to be fulfilled. We keep on believing. We don't give up hope. We must believe in and hope for our children all through their lives. 
even as we may endure or bear some things, that may happen, that may test our faith and hope. In future message in this series, we're going to talk about dealing with a child who wanders away from God and how we should approach that the way God does. Now, the reason that we can continue believing and hoping in our children is that our faith and hope is in God. And God loves our children even more than we do. He loves them with this perfect agape love. And we need to express that love and hold that love in our hearts in the same way. Love plus God's power is our goal. Verse 13 and 14, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And so it mentions here faith. We've been talking about believing and hoping. Faith, hope, and love. They continue forever. But the greatest of these three is love because faith and hope are born from love. If you have a great love for God, if a great love for his people, you're going to have faith and hope in God as well. And so we mentioned at the beginning of this message that the conclusion in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians uh, 13 is that we must both pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts or the power of God. So to successfully parent our children, we need God's love and God's power and spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not meant just for use in the church. They're for everyone in all of life. And as a parent, you're going to need the gifts of healing. <clears throat> Your child is going to get sick. Your child is going to have accidents. You're going to need the gifts of healing. You're going to need words of knowledge and wisdom, discernment. You're going to need faith. You may need the gift of miracles and so on. My wife, Carol, and I got a rough start in parenting when our first child, Joel, was born. And we needed God's power from day one, actually from the first hour uh, after he was born. On the day that Joel was born, we were in the hospital, and uh, we were both in the room, and uh, Carol was feeding him. The room was dark, and the lights were down, and when when the feeding time was over, she prepared to hand him over to the nurse. And as she glanced at him and kind of the blanket fell away, she suddenly screamed and said, what's wrong with my baby? As we looked at Joel and he had turned blue, which is not a good thing. Uh, it meant he wasn't breathing. And so the nurse was in the room and she grabbed the baby, grabbed Joel and ran down the hall to where the doctors were. And at that point, we didn't know whether he was dead or alive. And so we began to pray for God to heal him. And I recall we prayed very loudly. Uh, we prayed in English and we prayed in tongues and we didn't care who heard us. And we prayed and we kept praying and waited. And I peeked out the room and we saw what do you call it, the nursery, the place with the windows on it where all the babies are in there. And we saw uh, a team of doctors and nurses huddled around a bed where we knew Joel was laying there working frantically to revive him. 
And it seemed like, you know, days, I don't know how long it was, 15, 30 minutes, I don't know how long it was, but finally they came back to report that Joel was alive. They managed to get him breathing again, and they didn't know, of course, whether there would be long-term damage uh, to him. And so, to make a much longer story short, we could go on with different things that happened after that, but God miraculously saved Joel's life. He healed him. He protected him from any long-term damage. And uh, last couple months ago, Joel graduated from college. And if you've been here for a while, you know who Joel is. He continues to walk with the Lord. And so we needed God's power. We just didn't need some principles. We needed God's power to work right after he was born when we were introduced to parenthood. So you never know when you're going to need to draw on the power of God as a parent. And so if you're a parent here this morning, you need agape love. You need God's power to accomplish your ministry as a parent. If you're not a parent, you also need agape love. And you need God's power to fulfill God's plan for your life. Agape love is the kind of love that God has. It's the kind of love that God is. It's an unconditional love. It does the very best for the other person, no matter how they respond. Agape love wants the very best. Agape love wants God's plan to be fulfilled and carried out in another person's life, no matter how they respond. And so love is patient. It's kind. It rejoices in the truth. It never quits. It never gives up. It keeps on believing. It keeps on hoping. It keeps on praying that God's plan is going to be fulfilled, whether in your children's lives or in the lives of other people. And so may God help all of us to keep on growing and experiencing and showing God's love to everybody else in our lives. Now, to experience agape love, you need to become a believer. To become a believer involves admitting that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. And as a result, you've separated yourself from God's love. You're separated from the love of God. You admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things, you repent, you turn away from that sin and you put your faith and trust, you believe in Jesus Christ, the one who loved you even when you were involved in sin. He loved you with that agape love. You put your faith and trust in him. He died on the cross that your sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead three days later. He's alive today, and you commit yourself to following him, to walking in his love all the days of your life and right on into eternity. And so let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a prayer. And if you've never experienced God's love before, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to pray with me. Or perhaps this morning you want to recommit your life to him this morning, and that would be fine as well. Let's pray something like this. Father, today I admit that I've done wrong. I've sinned. I've walked my own way rather than yours. Please forgive me. I, I turn away from that sin. I choose to believe in Jesus Christ. I choose to believe that he died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. 
I believe that he rose from the dead and he's alive today. I commit my life to following him as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. Come into my life. Let me walk in your love and in your plan that you have for me from this day forward. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, this morning, we thank you for the agape love that you demonstrated, that you showed when you sent Jesus to this earth to die for us. Help us, God, as parents, to love our children with that same kind of love. Forgive us for trying to parent based on our own ideas rather than through your word and rather than through your spirit, God. Help us to grow in patience and kindness for our children as we seek to help them to walk in your plan and purpose. May we rejoice together as our parents, as our as our, as parents, as our children continue to grow strong in you. And as we raise our, our children for Jesus, God, we pray that we would keep on believing and hoping that all your plans for them would come to pass and be fulfilled in their lives. Help us, God, to parent with agape love and your great power. And God, help us in all of our lives to, to live our lives with your love for all of those that are around us. And may we seek more of your power in our lives that we might show your power to those who do not yet know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.